0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the last Ref6 Weekly of the season. It's been an absolutely uh, crazy season, so much to review that we've done. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, Um, but this will be the last one for the season. Don't worry, we will be doing some specials during the Euros, but in terms of weekly, this is the last one. Um, I am joined uh, once again by my co-hosts, John and Rimon. How are you guys doing? All good? Yeah, good, here. Excited for the last one, yep, always brilliant. Um, on this week's podcast, we're going to be reviewing the last few um games of the season so the Champions League, Europa League finals, and the playoff finals. A lot of a few different incidents that we're going to cover later on. Um, but I'm going to just quickly start with some of the, the news as we always do. Um, so in terms of Champions League, guys, bit of a surprise. Well, in both games, Europa League and Champions League final, bit of a surprise. Villarreal beating Man U, I thought was a surprise. And Chelsea beating Man City, although they've beaten them twice in the last six weeks, I thought was a lot um, a, a big surprise too. But in terms of the Champions League final, the runaway kind of man of the match for most people watching was the referee, um, uh, Antonio Leos, uh, Spanish official. What did you think of his performance?
1: Yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, he did a great job. Amazingly um, referee.
0: And what what's interesting is because I've, dis- I've discussed his style with friends in the past and some think it's a little bit over the top and some love that kind of more personality that he shows in refereeing. And we'll touch on some of the specific incidents from the game, but overall body language, you know, he's quite eccentric, I guess, as a referee. But you thought it, he handled it well. And like I said, most people's man of the match for the for the game. So really interesting to see. Um, Yeah, great performance in the Champions League final. It's been announced in some quarters that the Euros will be his final hurrah. He will be retiring after that. There's not been an official announcement, but um, uh, a few reports suggesting that that might be the case. And um, what I've noticed in the past, so in 2012 and 2016, the referee who did the Champions League final also did the Euro final. So he might be in with a great shot, especially after that performance. So one to look out for, especially if Spain don't make it to the, um, to the final. So that's, uh, that's some news there. And, and then uh, a report from the Daily Mail that's came out this week. Um, and the Daily Mail have had previous um, sources in the PGM oil, So they normally are pretty accurate. Um, they've stated that there's five referees um, from the uh, EFL uh, Select Group 2 group that are being interviewed currently for promotion into the Premier League so we know that Lee Mason has retired he's now going to instead of being a referee he's going to be a full-time VAR so it leaves at least one spot available for a referee to be promoted to there may be more but Almost certainly there's at least one. Um, and there's five referees, according to the Daily Mail, that are up for that position. Um, Tony Harrington, who refereed the League One playoff final and also the FA Trophy um, final, is, is up, for, uh, up for the position. John Brooks, who actually used to be a FIFA assistant referee, he, he gave up his assistant referee role, worked, and went back down the ladder to just focus on refereeing. He's been a select group two referee for a couple of years and he's in with a shout. Michael Salisbury, who's actually a relatively new SG2 referee, um, is in with a shout. Keith Stroud, who used to be in the um, FA's refereeing department, he's one of the older um, SG2 referees and has refereed in the Premier League before, is is being interviewed. And probably the, the one that is catching most people's attention is Jared Gillett, who's the Australian FIFA referee who moved here last year, um, and has been select group two um, and he's reportedly being interviewed as well so five different candidates there um, all have variety of different skill sets and different backgrounds that are really interesting so um, yeah we'll, we'll wait to hear the outcome normally it's you know when the names get released it's probably about a week before we'll, we'll hear so should be something this week or next week uh, in, in regards to that Um, John, any of those names in particular that you think are like that you've watched specifically?
2: Um, I've always been a big fan of John Brooks, actually. Uh, I met him at a conference maybe four or five years ago when he was FIFA listed uh, assistant referee. Um, And he's always sort of been someone I've kept up with. Jared Gillett as well is another one that seems to have done quite well, had a FIFA badge, you know, has been tipped. Do this sort of next step for a while now. Um, but there, and obviously, um, is it Kit, Har- Tony Harrington? Yeah, uh, that was the one that did the League One playoff final. And they're usually a pretty good shoe in for uh, the step. So it looks like there's like three very suitable candidates to go up.
0: Yeah, I know. So I'm, I'm excited to see what, what comes out of the interviews. Um, but almost certainly there will be at least one new face in the Premier League next year, maybe two. We'll see. Um, but that's the news. We're, you know, we're we're moving into kind of Euro squad announcements. The refereeing squad has already been announced a few weeks ago, um, and we'll be we'll be covering some of the incidents and in the appointments from for, for, throughout the Euros um, in kind of some special podcasts that we'll do and some stuff on Instagram. So definitely make sure to keep an eye out and check on that. But Raymond, let's move into some of the the key incidents from the week.
1: Yep. Yeah. So, so just before we do that, do we know why he's retiring from uh, being referee? I mean, because he's only 44 years old, right? And he didn't look like a referee that's retired and...
0: <laughs> yeah, sold. yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, sometimes... Uh, no, there's no, there's no official report, so there's no element or conversation about what he's, he's said. Um, but, you know, some people want to go out on the the top, right? And yeah, Champions League final is definitely the top and, and who knows what the Euros has in store. So um, really interesting. I know when we've, well, I've seen like conversations with people like Howard Webb in the past that refereed the year after the last World Cup and said he'd, Probably rather have gone out on a little bit of a higher note than you know continuing going on. So maybe maybe that's an element there too. But who knows? Yeah,
1: I don't know if you guys remember Colina from back in the, back in the days, because he had he had a personality, right? Yeah, and was of and, and somehow Antonio Leos also reminds me of him a bit mm-hmm. uh, when there's a, this when he when he when there's a foul or something, he just runs over there and 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 says, "Hey, listen, guys, move on." Yeah. I like the way he's, he referees and he just reminds me a little bit of Colina uh, uh, from before. So, you know, yeah.
0: I think that's a great, uh, a great comparison, definitely.
1: Cool. Yeah, so we have uh, last week's incidents uh, and uh, we're going to start with the uh, playoff for Premier League. Swansea uh, Brentf- uh, Brent- against Brentford. Um, uh, so, yeah, at the referee, Chris Kavanagh. Um, and there was an incident where there was a red card shown by Chris Governor, and it was for Swansea player, uh, Jay Folden. So the, the, the situation, uh, the, it, it, how, how it played out was at minute 65. Uh, the play was um, on the right side of Wainford's uh, goal, a uh, preference half, and um, for some reason, I don't know if it was uh, by an accident or something, but uh, Jay Fulton uh, step, stepped on, stepped on uh, Matthew Simpson's uh, foot, and, yeah, and they, they, they both uh, fall down. Um, the referee gave a red card right away. There's no VIR. Uh, looking at the replays again and again. For me, it looked a bit like an accident. Uh, it wasn't intentionally. Uh, so um, I'm looking forward to hear from you guys what you think, uh, what you guys thoughts are about it.
0: I thought it was the ugliest one of. The, it's possibly the ugliest challenge I've seen this season, mainly because it was clumsy. Right. Maybe. It was, it was clumsy, reckless, and excessive force and dangerous all in one. Right, because I think it was accidental. So I think it was his left foot. Um, catches the ankle or almost like stands on the ankle of the Brentford player. And that was probably the accidental piece. But that's caused the, the Swansea player to almost slip and follow through with his right leg. So it almost looks like a two-footed challenge. Yeah. It was just ugly. And the player actually, I think, instantly knew that it was just a poor challenge, right? The the, the Swansea player. So for me, it was a great red card. I really like the fact that Chris got his red card out straight away because all of a sudden, you know, it, it stopped any mass confrontation happening. So that was uh, the beauty of a quick card here. Um, but yeah, it, it was one of those where you watch it back and you're like, oh, as soon as you go, ooh, you know something's wrong. John, what do you think?
2: Uh, yeah, I think it's an easy red to give. I think he gave it quickly. Like credit where credit's due. I was speaking to some of my friends and they were saying that um, Chris Cavanaugh's fitness hasn't been all that great. In recent years and he looked fit and he looked great and uh, he was in the right positions all the time Um, but yeah with the red card I think he's caught his ankle it's caught his ankle high there's no real intention to play the ball Uh, it may look like an accident but I think the Swansea player or yeah the Swansea player knew that he wasn't going to get the ball and he was going to get some of the man and uh, unfortunately he's caught him high and I think it's a fairly easy red to go for serious foul play
0: and I think the key thing here is even if it was an accident or not if it was reckless or if it was excessive force there's a yellow and red card that needs to follow it yeah. doesn't matter if there's an accident at all but yeah it w- it looked accidental but it, then you've got to still think is the is the challenge ex- reckless is it excessive force and you've got to deal with that as, as best you see fit so yeah, yeah. so if- yeah for me it
1: was i was looking at the position of the referee because if he was uh, far away, he couldn't maybe couldn't see the accident. But but I think, he, as you said, uh, John, he was fit and, and he was close. Uh,
0: and what, what I think he did import, most importantly there was he was about 10 yards back from the incident, which is where you'd expect the referee to be, 10, 15 yards away from it. But what he did was put in that quick sprint when he gave the red card to be there so that basically when the Swansea player looked up, he, he was in the vicinity and looked like yeah. that. So that added to the credibility of the decision too.
1: Yeah, so we all agree on the red card, yeah. So <laughs> an easy one, as John said. Yeah. Right, so the next uh, incident we're going to talk about is the League 2 uh, playoff. Um, Bobby Madley was the, was the referee. Uh, the game was, and you guys need to help me out here, uh, between... Morecambe. Morecambe <laughs> and, and New, uh, Newport, right? Newport County. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so uh, after 90 minutes, uh, no, no. Uh, it was first at the minute of 106. There was a penalty given um, to Morecom- Morecom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh So, yeah, they are, they're attacking. The home team is attacking. And um, uh, Ryan Heinz... Uh, uh, fouls the opponents uh, from behind, um, and referee gives, uh, right away, a penalty. Um, so there's a few things here. First of all, was it a penalty or was not a penalty? Uh, and and I think what we need to discuss here is, was it outside or inside the box? Um, I don't know if you both saw it and, uh, again and again, because I, I had to see it again and again. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, and was the contact as well? I mean, again, penalty or not. Um, so, John. So, oh, Hassan, yeah, you go.
0: Yeah, no, no, I wasn't watching this live and I got a text message saying, have you seen this penalty? Uh, it's a definite dive, right? That's what the I, I received and I looked on Twitter and that's what people were seeing. So then I watched it back and I don't think the angles are great at all on any of the camera angles, right? I don't think you can clearly state that it was simulation or if it was a foul and i don't also think you can clearly state if it was in the box or not based on the fact that the angles were just really poor um when bobby madley gave the decision he was looking through what seemed to be a pretty significant number of players um and that was just it wasn't bad positioning it was just that's how the attack had developed and there was a lot of players between him and him and the ball he gave himself a few seconds to kind of almost replay it back in his head, I think, and then gave the the penalty. So for me, I think it was, I personally, it's one of those where Bobby was in a better place than any of the camera angles that I can tell. And therefore, you know, you could call it a soft penalty. I think the players, the defender has impeded the player and, and maybe he was already off balance. So it looks like he's dived. But to me, there was coming together. And then it's just, do you think that's a penalty or not? And, and you know, I think depending on the day you give that or you don't give that, I'm not sure. Um, off, right? So. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know, John. Yeah, I think you've got an alternate view to me here.
2: Um, I don't think it's a penalty. I think the the, well, the attacker was going down anyway, lost his balance. And I think the defender helped him out a little bit and made it look better. But I also think that the first contact was outside the box. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I think the first contact is outside the box and then he's fallen in. So, But obviously it's tight and, you know, like you say, Bobby Madley was looking through a few players. So it's difficult to see. And I know obviously there's no VAR down that level, but I think if it was VAR, I think they would have given a free, probably a free kick outside the box. Because, like you say, there's enough contact for it to be on one day a free kick and for another day or not. But if it was me on a Sunday, Saturday, I'd probably say get up.
1: Interesting. Uh, what I'm thinking here is what about the Lions, the assistant referee, right? like He probably had a better view than the referee because but I, I didn't see from the angle, from the camera angles, I didn't see Bobby Madley be near uh, the situation. So I was thinking, what about the assistant referee? Did he go out and, and talk with him and, and, and figure out there was inside or outside? Did he see anything? And and I couldn't find anything about it, and I uh, couldn't see in the uh, in the replay if he did talk with him or not. Uh, but again, it's uh, a <laughs> without VAR, it's it's you know, it's the old-fashioned way, right? You have to take a decision. Uh, he probably took it uh, looking at it by looking at the player's reaction uh, and so on. So yeah, I don't think it was a penalty either. Looking back, uh, looking at the replays. Uh, his left foot was. Uh, outside the penalty area. So, so you think
0: it's not a penalty because of the position, but you think it was a foul? Uh,
1: I don't think it was a foul either. I think he. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was a foul. If you want to give something, it was probably a free kick. Yeah, uh, it's harder to see. It, it was. I mean, uh, even looking at the replay, it's hard to see if it was inside and outside. It's just you have to take a decision in two, three seconds, right? So. But yeah, if we look, if we as I'm, I'm agreeing with John here. Uh, if they are they looked into it, probably a free kick. It's hard to see if he he was diving or not. Uh, you have to prove that he wasn't. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. And um, and you raise a good point about the assistant referee there. So I think we've talked about in the past, John, on some of these pods where you know if you're in doubt, obviously go and have a chat with the assistant. But the assistant can do. A couple of things here to help you out once they know you've given like you've blown your whistle they can make a move either down to the corner flag which is a great indication to say they think it's in the box or a couple of yards away from to the left of the 18 yard box to give you a clear indication that they think it's a free kick so that's some subtle kind of movements that only the officials would see or know that will help with communication especially when you don't have the the uh, earpieces and the comms kit in the game. So, But there was one, Rimon. I don't know if you saw in the first couple of, like I think it was in the first 10 minutes of the game, where a corner comes out, uh, a corner goes into the box and the goalkeeper comes out, tries to punch the ball and misses it and gets the attacker. Did you see that one as well? No, I didn't. Okay. So, so John, maybe we can talk about this one where, yeah, I think it just happened as I said it, right? The, yeah. the goalkeeper yeah. for Morecambe comes out Goes to punch the ball, misses it, and contact is made with the fist to the attacking player. So that, to me, was uh, a little bit more clear and obvious in terms of, I thought that probably was a penalty, right? What do you think?
2: Um, I think it's tough. There's a lot. I know we shouldn't you know like keeper bias in terms of the keeper has a right to go for the ball there it wasn't really out of his reach he's just sort of messed it up and the attacker has every right to go for it there as well yeah so it seems to be like a bit of a as if two players went up and headed it like and they one of them's missed and the other one's like, it's a bit of a coming together you obviously check on the player mm-hmm. um, but I think because the keeper's got a right to go for that and he can use his hands you know it, it just happens to be I, I mean, no, no. I, I don't doubt that he's got
0: a right to go for it, but let's put the ball on the floor and the keeper's gone to try and get the ball and he missed it and he trips the player. We're giving a penalty, right? So yeah. therefore, I think, I, I think, okay, just because he's got a right to go for it with his hands, he's got to get it. If he misses it, it's, it's, it's a foul. So to me, to me, I thought that was a penalty. I thought that was a yellow card as well for a reckless challenge. Um, and just another incident to, but yeah, I'd love to hear if anyone else agrees with John there on, on you know, okay, well, it's kind of fair football, or or actually, if it was mistimed and should have been a, a penalty. Love to hear from everyone. But sorry about that, Raymond. I just thought I'd add that no, one. It's in. okay.
1: The interesting thing here is, uh, uh, is like, what does the law say about it? Yeah. Yeah. Like,
0: to me, not- it, to me, but- law says penalty.
1: Yeah, 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 but but there must, I mean, if there's nothing in the law about a goalkeeper coming out uh, trying to uh, fist the ball, but it hits the player instead, the opponents instead. There must be a law about it, right? There must be.
0: I, I think I think it's I think it's clear. I think it's a pen, but who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> move. On. Let's let's move on to the big game of the the week. There wasn't much in the Europa League final apart from. Uh, I a ton of penalties, um, but f- from the from the mark after after the game had finished it with extra time. So let's move on to the Champions uh, League final.
1: It was a boring game. I agree with that. And that's <laughs> boring. all I have to say. The same and Clement
0: Turpin and his team were, um, no one's spoken about them, mainly because there wasn't many decisions to make. I think it was an effortless performance, yeah. but he'd probably come out thinking, I wish there was something else there to referee because it wasn't much to referee in that game.
2: Yeah, true.
1: Yeah, the, the, the big games, the team's sleep final, uh, Chelsea versus Man City. Um, very exciting game. Um, Antonio, Leas, as we have talked a, bit, a couple of times in the beginning. Um, so there were, yeah, two situations, two incidents. Uh, we're going to talk about um, the first one is the challenge between Rüdiger and uh, Kevin De Bruyne. So, uh, Man City is attacking on uh, Chelsea's uh, half. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne plays the ball to the right uh, to Mahers and out of nowhere, maybe probably for Kevin De Bruyne, uh, Rüdiger uh, uh, blocks uh, Kevin De Bruyne's path. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he hits him in, in the head um they both they both uh, uh fall down uh this was a minute 56 uh and yeah what happens there was a small break because uh medical needed to go in and, and check both of the players uh but what do you guys think i mean there was one situation with the referee just right after that but i wanna i just wanna uh there was a yellow card for the Dur- but I want to talk about the referees, the, the yellow card, how he gave the yellow card just a bit uh, later. But just I want to hear you guys out, because last, last time we talked about uh, Tottenham game, I don't remember who it was against, uh, where Harry Wings uh, um, Yeah. the player. And we, when we were talking about uh, it was only yellow card and could there be done more? What do you guys think about this situation, John? Same or or yellow card is, is fine? No, see, I said this on the day that Rudiger, when you first
2: see the tackle, Rudiger goes down and holds his head and sort of plays a head injury. But on like when you watch the replay, Rudiger goes in with his shoulder to De Bruyne's head. And my question to the people that I was watching it is like, are we considering serious foul play for this? Because he's endangering the safety of the opponent. De Bruyne is coming in at speed. He's used his shoulder to stop him. And that's obviously endangered De Bruyne's safety because he's walked off with concussion and a broken nose and a broke so my question is is it actually more than a yellow card um, because he has endangered the safety of Kevin De Bruyne at speed with his shoulder so that, that would be my, my that's my intake of it, I'm borderline sending him off yeah. that's
1: interesting is that?
0: Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from on this, John. Um, I, I wonder how much time Rudiger had uh, to, to make a decision here. Like, I think it's a coming together. I think it's so quick that, to me, the yellow card isn't, is more for stopping a promising attack um, rather than a reckless. It is kind of reckless as well, but it's, it's so quick. The, I don't think Rudiger's making a... I know we talked about accidental earlier and it doesn't matter. But it, to me, it was an accidental collision. Uh, Rudiger hasn't got a huge amount of time to get out of the way. And and it was a yellow. Uh, I, I don't think... I get where you're coming from, how you, you think it could be a red, but I, I'm not sure. I do, I do know that the injury suffered by Kevin De Bruyne was severe, right? He had yeah. to go pitch afterwards. I think he actually had a fractured nose and... and Orbital and, bone, yeah. So it's his yeah, which, which is pretty significant. But also Rudiger's a man. <laughs> Huge guy, you know, yeah. so you run into him, you're going to get hurt. So I, I don't know. I, I think a yellow card here was the right punishment. Um, I think we talk about what does football expect. I think if that red came out, I think, I think we have a different conversation about the performance of the referee after the game because I cool. think that wouldn't be what football expects in that scenario. That's true. Um, but yeah, but Roman, go on, let's talk about the, the, the actual yeah. administering of the yellow card. Yeah,
1: no, just before that, because I'm a bit split between you guys, like yellow, red, and this is where I'm going to say it again, we probably need something more than just a yellow, but it's not a red, it's something in between, right, That like where we a bit more fair play uh, somehow, mm-hmm. maybe the wrong word to use here, but I just feel like the yellow card wasn't enough um mm-hmm. This is one of those where we talk about like a temporary dismissal option, right? Yeah, where again, we- yeah, again, yeah, yeah, probably, probably. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, let's leave it there. Uh, yeah, the yellow card itself. Uh, I was laughing so hard. Um, yeah, so so there, I don't know why the referee had had to to do it, but there, so the ref uh, Antonio uh, yes, uh, helped Rodrigo uh, up. And the same time, if he helped him up, he gave him a yellow card as well. Yeah. It's very funny. And for those who haven't seen it, go, go and find the clip. Probably there's a lot of GIFs. Yeah. Uh, Actually,
0: there's one on Ref6 Twitter, so have a look on there, because it's there. I don't know.
1: It was so funny. Uh, first time I've seen it. And this is just, um, for me, this tells me how an amazing referee Antonio Leal is. Like, he's hilarious. Uh, he's very good at his job. Uh, I saw him a lot of times. Times during the game talking with the players maybe throwing some small minor jokes here and there <laughs> who mm-hmm. knows um, but what do you guys think about it? Go on John you go first
2: um, Yeah I'm all for it it showed that he had the respect of the players enough to do that and that you know he grew into the game and he understood the game and where the game was going Like it takes a lot of courage to do something like that. So I've got all the respect for him and the players respected him for it. But it also, I have no issues with like helping players up. Obviously a yellow card's coming up after that, but you were obviously told that it could favour one person or it could, you know, seem wrong. But I think that shows like empathy and compassion for the game. And I think that is something that he was applauded for a lot about, you know, understanding the game. And yeah, I thought I was all for it. Yeah, I've I've seen majorly
0: like ninety five percent comments to that specific kind of display, uh, congratulating that that for for the reasons John mentioned, like compassion and empathy, and then I've seen a few minority comments saying actually, you know, it's unprofessional. Uh, you shouldn't do it in your games if you're lower down the levels, et cetera. And I think it's all about a judgment call and making, understanding the temperature of the game and the temperature of the players. And I think what he uh, realized was he had the game in pretty much the palm of his hands. Um, he showed the empathy to give Rudiger that lift up and the yellow card was a necessity. It was going to come. I actually think it would probably look worse if he just stood there waiting for Rudiger to get up and then showed the yellow. I don't like that. I've seen that a few times. Quite a lot of referees will do that and it's pretty normal, but actually just giving the the player a lift up is is just, it's another way to win them over. You're about to show them a yellow card either way, right? Whether you lift him up or not, he's getting a yellow card. So you're actually using that gesture of giving him a hand up to kind of win him over and make sure, you know, that the yellow card lands a little bit softer than it would have. So, yeah, I was all for it. I, I, I liked it. It was one of many a time where he showed his personality when he was refereeing. Um, There was one time where I think Pulisic was breaking and there was a coming together with a Man City defender. It could have easily been given as a foul, but he wasn't giving these soft fouls in the game, which was great. And what I saw was he sprinted over to Pulisic and had a word with him. And I think it was just saying... I, I don't know,''m I'm, I'm, I'm uh, making assumptions here, but it, so it felt like he ran over just to let him know, hey, I've seen it. It wasn't enough for me. I don't think you were kind of diving, but it wasn't it was just not enough for me. So keep going, get on with it. And then he ran off. And it was a split second deci- uh, split second decision, but that few meters of sprinting he did had a quick word and walked off. No one would have seen it. no one would have noticed it if you're just watching the game right you have to watch the referee Uh, and I like that management because I think he was using that incident as a way to keep that player on his side even though he hasn't given the foul for him so there was loads of times during the game where his body language and his um, his man management was shining through and I think Rimon, we're going to get onto another example of that now
1: yeah we are Uh, and and so there was just four minutes later there was an uh, incident again uh, where uh, Sterling gets the ball in the penalty area of uh, Chelsea and and uh, and, and shoot at the goal and yeah the only guy was standing uh, between him or bet- just in front of the goal was Rich James so it hit him it hits him well somewhere other uh, man city players uh, are indicating that it was a handball but we clearly see uh, antonio uh, pointing out that it hit his, it hit hits his chest first and then his arm um, what do you guys think about that cuz i mean it wasn't uh, he, he had a good positioning and he was standing in the correct place and we have VR and all of all of these things but
0: yeah Look, he, he made a decision, which was no penalty, which was the correct decision. And then the next step was, how do I sell this decision, right? Yeah. And, and what happened was, as soon as the incident happened, I think there was four, five, six Man City players around him. So all of a sudden, he's selling this decision needs to be big. It can't just be, hey, hey guys, it was chest then hand. It couldn't be like that. He had to make a pretty, language, um, right? Uh, a pretty loud, you know, uh, getting his communication effectively. He went chest, arm, chest, arm, like three or four times. And not only did it sell it to the Man City players, what, what, what it did was it said, Hey, I've seen it. This is what I've seen. It hit the chest and the arm. And that's him saying, yeah, it has it their arm, but it's not a handball because it's come off the chest. And he sold the Man City players, he sold the benches and he sold the fans and the people watching in that two, three, four seconds of gesture that he made. Um, again, some people may have thought it was exaggerated, but actually it did what it needed to do, which was not, um, he could have just said, yeah, he could have just said no penalty and gone with it. Right. But it was him using his tools to sell the decision and win people over, make sure they're on side and. And allow Man City to understand they're in a, a game where there's a referee who's who's on the ball, who's looking at everything, and who's fair and and concrete in his decision making. So
2: perfect.
1: So, yeah. yeah,
2: John. Yeah, I, you... I think that summed that up pretty very well. To be fair. So,
1: so I have a question for you guys because the 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 yellow card, the process of the yellow card. As I saw, Rudiger didn't mind it, you know, like he did, there was no uh, reaction. But what if it was a Premier League referee doing exactly the same thing? Do you guys think uh, there would be a different reaction to it? Or is it just because this is a a referee not from England and... uh,
0: I think it's an interesting question, slightly loaded question, um, but an interesting question in the sense that the, the difference being in the Premier League is the referees have got a more intimate relationship with the players because they referee them more frequently, right? In many cases, this may have been only Lyles' first, second game with many of these players. So the relationships are a lot newer, a lot slightly different. I don't think there would have been a different reaction if it was Anthony Taylor or Michael Oliver or another Premier League referee. Um, And I also think, and even Leos may not have done it if it was a different type of player. If it was a Diego Costa, for example, or a Luis Suarez, maybe you wouldn't do it because you know that they're slightly more reactive. Whereas Rudiger is a little bit more, um, uh, probably someone that you'd communicate with throughout the game, right? Um, So... I don't think it would be different if it was a Premier League referee. I think even Leos would be different if it was a
1: different player. Possibly. Good answer, yeah. I'm, I'm on fire today, guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. so uh, I don't think this is the last thing we're going to hear from about Leos. I mean, he, uh, as you mentioned, I think he's a role model right, for a lot of referees and then probably he's going to be uh, out there and helping other referees. It's, this is just me guessing. I'm hoping as well. Yeah. Uh, so the home management
0: style. I think the only thing that I will say when you mention Premier League referees is I don't think, I think his style is very different to the Premier League referees. Maybe the closest, maybe Mike Dean in terms of the communication style. And the one that reminds me a lot of, I don't know, Ramon, if you remember this name, but Phil Dowd a few years ago was a very similar um, type of referee to Laos in terms of the body language and communication. I'd like to see more of it. I, I, I like, I, and I think from from what we saw in terms of fan reaction, they actually liked the referee, which is very rare, right? And I think it helps that most of the English fans haven't seen Lyle's referee before, you know, or they've seen him once or twice. The problem we have is Auntie Taylor and Michael Oliver, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, we see them week in, week out. We see the really great, and we see the occasional bad that happens. So. The official, uh, the fans are a bit blinded by the fact that they think this guy's just had a perfect game, which he did. But he's also made mistakes in the, in the past, which they haven't been privy to, and they're not biased by those. So I think I think there's elements of that in there too that that we got we got to be careful of when we you know when we talk about uh, you know I've seen loads of tweets saying oh let's get these guys to the Premier League, um, let's you know let's import referees from different countries. But they're not seeing the mistakes that have been made. You know, referees are humans. They will make mistakes, no matter if you're... Uh, you, you could be Kalina. You could be Howard Webb, Mark Lassenberg. You could be Clement Turpin or Antti Léos. You're going to make a mistake. Uh, and people remember that, unfortunately. And so that's where I think, you know, we're, we're doing a good job in England with the refereeing, and, and every country is doing a good job of refereeing. You know, I I wonder if there's an opportunity in the future where the referees could travel around. But like, you know, you get a Spanish referee doing a Premier League game and an English referee going to do a La Liga game. That could be cool. I like that idea, but um, I don't know if the costs uh, justify the, the 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 reasoning behind that.
1: Yep. Well, you're definitely on fire today, so <laughs> <laughs> John. Let's move on to the to the main topic because I think this is the next thing we're going to talk about. The main topics,
2: so... Uh, Yeah. So, obviously, coming towards the end of the season now, especially in England, we're coming up to the sort of final few games, if not finished. I've been finished for a while now. So, obviously, the next thing on my mind is pre-season. So, obviously, we've got a few questions in about what kind of training should I do? How many games should I do? How often should I train? So, I just wanted to see what a regular pre-season is for, obviously, Rimon in Denmark, Hassan for you as a five, and me as a four. So I didn't know who wanted to start.
1: Yeah, I can go. Um, so it all it all comes to uh, your goals, right, and um, motivation. Uh, so for me, if I wanna uh, if I wanna be refereeing, if I wanna referee in the, in the top league in Denmark, I probably wanna referee uh, as often as I can. Uh, probably also train every day. Uh, running every day doing intervals every day uh, or every second day uh, so i think it depends a bit on your goals uh, for me uh, when i started i started a bit uh, older um, and if i have two games in one week i probably run three uh, three days and the rest the, the next two days i'm gonna automatically be running uh, doing the game uh, so yeah i mean uh, the training um, depends on your level of refereeing uh, in denmark i mean if you want to achieve uh, more than just a normal referee you're probably going to train every day uh, follow some training uh, exercises um, asking some people you can ask uh, in denmark we have a local uh, refereeing club here and the elite referees uh, joins as well and you can ask them questions, if you like, uh, how they train. Uh, we have a Facebook group. You can post in there and ask people uh, about their opinions. What can they do more to uh, get into the highest um, uh, league? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, if you can, uh, we free every day. And that's your passion. Do it. Train every day. Uh, if you can't, well, uh, you probably need to ask somebody, how can I... Uh, and we have courses as well so we can join the referee one and two like a system referee one and two and if you've done all of that and you're still in a good age <laughs> then you can continue doing the lead refereeing courses from there you can uh, reach that and automatically the training comes in as you go higher and higher so yeah Uh good answer
0: i think um a couple of things that Raymond pointed out which i liked. to what are your goals and motivations? Like, actually, I think you should start with that before you even go out and run. What do I want to achieve next season? Do I want to do I want to feel fitter than I did last year, or was I happy with my performance last year and I just want to maintain where I am? Um, so th- those will inf- inform what kind of training you do. Obviously, your work will, you know, have an impact. You know, when can you actually go and uh, train? When when are you able to? So coming up with a schedule and sticking to it is important. Yeah, obviously the Euros are going to be on, so there might be a few extra beers that you'll be drinking throughout June than normal. So uh, factor that in, you know, maybe go for a quicker run or maybe change your day that you're going to run because, you know, England or Denmark are playing the night before. You're probably not going to want to run in the morning after a game like that, you know, (laughs) a few beers. So planning is important. I think another thing that Rima mentioned, which I like, and that I'm going to try and start to do this season, uh, this preseason, will be um, trying to form a group or a few friends. I think when you're accountable to other people, you're more likely to train than you are on your own. Um, so a lot, a lot of those, and and try and and John, you 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 tell us to do this a lot, which is try and replicate your match day um, in terms of at least the exertion. Like a lot of referees throughout the season will do a a bit of training during the week and only their main actual training is probably in the game, which is fine. But if you're losing those games every week, you need to make sure you're replacing in terms of the fitness side, those activities. So think about that, uh, in terms of getting number of friendlies in get, I, I would love to, I always try and get as many friendlies in as possible. Um, just because I think it's great to be physically there but also mentally, you need to remember how to make a decision, and you know, see things, and take and absorb things, and and actually communicate. You need a pl- You need to practice your communication style with players, and friendlies are a great way of doing that. So yeah, that, they're my kind of ideas. But John, what about you? You're obviously a little bit more um, younger, younger, and fitness centric, <laughs> and and actually a, a higher level. So what are what are you thinking when it comes into um, preseason?
2: Um, so for the first so whenever the season finishes for me so i would have said 2 weeks ago i said i'd take 2 weeks off in terms of not think try and not think about football you know clear my head it's a long season half the time and i find that if you know i'm in the thick of it i've start feeling it about march time i think it got, this is tough starting to burn out so i'd take 2 weeks off you know chill out i do it slightly differently i try not to take that many games because I feel like if I do a load of games and obviously that burnout period in March becomes February and then that's still three months of the season to push. That's quite a lot. Um, I train, I like training with people that are better than me, that are faster than me because it drives me forward to run faster, run harder, train harder. And I tend to have more of an athletic summer. I'll be in the gym more, you know, heavy weights because you can't get that sort of training it's the only time you can get it really because during the season you don't want to be lifting heavy and being sore for games. So I treat it slightly differently but I'd probably only do three pre-seasons um, a year and I'll do six aside in, during the summer to keep my like, eye in, if you will, on that communication because it's a lot easier and like, less mentally pressured than doing the games on a on a Saturday. Uh, uh, uh,
1: probably I mean, also because of this corona situation, you probably need to plan a bit more. Uh, you need to be ahead of uh, 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 yeah, your plan, because um, people are not gathering as before. Uh, especially in Denmark, we're not doing uh, the the yeah the gathering as we normally would have done uh, to be with other referees. So it could be that a lot of referees, referees need to, uh, uh, yeah, trained by themselves uh, before the next season starts again. Um, but yeah, we need to adapt to the situation. Everyone yeah.
2: knows, probably. We've all got fitness tests coming up, I'm assuming. I think mine's at the beginning of July, because um, I can't make the first one. But um, yeah, we've all got fitness tests coming. So people now is, do you train for the fitness test or do you train for refereeing? And I don't think we'll discuss this in a later pod, I'm sure. But I don't think the fitness test really replicates what it's like to referee especially running for 12 minutes so you know do you train for that or do you train to be a good referee on a saturday uh,
1: and for some there's also theory test right so it's not all physical yeah. physical, physical test so i know i have to do a theory test uh, after the summer so we also, also need to train for that open the book yeah Yep. Yeah. brilliant
0: Well, I think that can draw a wrap to the Ref6 Weekly. I guess this was season one for for our Ref6 Weekly pods where we were, you know, hopefully sharing with you some tips and tricks around refereeing, talking about some of the incidents, sharing some news from the refereeing community. Um, We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back in a few weeks for when the Euros kick off. Super excited. We'll be obviously supporting England and Denmark from our side. Um, but also the third team. All of the officials We're looking forward to seeing them perform well, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, not too much to discuss on these podcasts. We'll see. We'll see how that pans out. There will always will be. The laws are, uh, are not black and white. They're grey, and we'll 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 be we'll talk we'll be talking about those grey areas. Um, John and Raymond, thanks so much for your uh, time uh, devoted to this. And um, we'll speak soon. And we'll uh, I'll be keeping an eye out on preseason, making sure we come back stronger so take care thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you soon